Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga review episode. It is Kirinor Reap Ember the 27th. My name is Adam. And today I'm going to give you my review of The Black Wing by Mary L. Kirchhoff. I'd like to take a moment and thank the members of this YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the link in the description below. You can even pick up Dragonlance Gaming materials using my affiliate links. Now this is my perspective only. If you have different thoughts or disagree with mine, that's all right. I invite you to share them in YouTube chat or if you're watching this after the live stream, then of course in the comments. Uh, the way these were work is I'm going to give you my pre-written review, which I wrote as I was reading it. And then afterward, if you have any comments or anything, we can just sort of bandy back and forth and just sort of chat a little bit about the novel or whatever you guys are putting in the comments. That's kind of it. So let's get into it. Hey, Jeff, how you doing, man? Yeah, I, I did enjoy it, though. It had some failings. I'll get into it. So we begin the tale with Cassanth sitting in Zach Saroth, reading Fistendanalus' spellbook. She grows bored and begins reflecting on her life, and resenting her being stationed here as guard to a staff that she isn't even supposed to look at. She did transform into a mouse and saw the staff, but she was unimpressed by it. And then we go back in time to when she was first awakened from her sleep before the war. Cassanth was awoken by two Nifids who needed her help to rescue their last female Nifid named Dela. Apparently, humans caught her as she was dying, um, or she's dying because they caught her, uh, I should say. The two Nifids are Jode and Dela's father. I'm rushing through this. Jode is Dela's father, and Cadigan, Dela's betrothed. So, Cassanth is groggy and in a completely sour mood for being woken prematurely. She expected Tachesis to wake her, so she refuses to help them and threatens them instead. Then they leave her be as she is unable to use her atrophied arms and wings to climb out successfully, so she tries and fails and falls back down, hurting herself. They end up lifting her out of the hole with magic from an artifact named Manus. This object feeds power to Dela when she uses it, but it can be used by others as well. Now... They feed and bandage Cassant's wounds from trying to leave the cave earlier, and she is still obstinate, but eventually sort of relents. They trade knowledge of Quen, which is a shape-shifting mental technique. It's not very magical. It's more of a, like a psionic thing almost. So it's a very zen-like practice that Cassant doesn't take kindly to at first, and as months pass, they finally realize that they have to go after Delilah or Dela, or she's going to die. So Cassanth transforms into a human with the use of this Quen, and finally adopts her name as Onyx. She's met by an old woman who takes her to an inn. The inn she, uh, in the inn, she meets Led, the man who took Dela, and is planning on selling her for a fortune. Onyx pretends to be a magic-using mercenary and joins Led's band. They end up sleeping with each other, and Onyx dreams of having Led ride her into battle. Not that way believing it to be an omen from Tachesis. They spoke of joining the fledgling dragon armies together as rumors have sprung up, and Onyx likes the idea. She goes to rescue Dela, who is locked in a wagon they're escorting, but she's caught by the lieutenant Yoshiki Toba, who Onyx traps in the Manus globe itself. Led is furious that he's gone, though they continue traveling to Kernan since they can't find him. They come across a band of Knights of Slamnia led by Sir Harold Stippling, who demands to see what's in their wagon. Of course, they refuse, which leads to a standoff. The standoff lasts a couple of heartbeats, and Led attacks the Knight's horse, and pandemonium and outright battle ensues. Near the end of the battle, Onyx burns a knight in his armor with magic, who runs off, and an ogre jumps off of a cliff 
onto the wooden cart in order to join in the, in the fray, but busts up the cart instead, revealing Dela the Nifid sick and dying. Now, one of the drawbacks about these Nifids is that when humans see them, they are magically drawn to them to try to save them. Kind of like every man ever with any female. That's <laughs> just the most tropey of tropes. So the Knight of Salamnia goes to save her and is, of course, electrocuted. But this electrocution comes from their very life force. And that was the last of Dela's, so she dies. Now, of course, Dela's father, who cannot bear seeing the death of his only child and the last female of their species, he dies of sadness as well. Led is infuriated for having lost his chance at gaining so much money. And as they mop up the rest of the knights, Onik goes after the knight who ran away. She catches him and scratches his face, leaving these three massive scars, but he literally punches her in the nose and knocks her out. So the knight flees, and no one knows where Onyx went, and the surviving brigands leave. Onyx wakes infuriated, and after Led abandoned her, she wants revenge. And then the last Nephid tells her what happened to Dela and blames Onyx. Then he dies, returning his energy to the source, as he says. Onyx shifts to a dragon again and hunts them, eventually eating lead. Then she travels the land for years, finding a nice lair in a swamp. She's attacked by another black dragon, who she learns is named Talon. Talon regularly does this to get others' treasure hordes, and as Onyx trails him, she discovers an ancient dragon named Taros, or Pitch, as humans call him. He is old and afraid and wants to be left alone. He actually fought in the third dragon war, but he was really young and he didn't really contribute that much to it. Cassanth believes that she can reawaken his lust for life, and they blood mingle, which bonds the two together. It's basically like blood brothers. I don't know if you guys ever did that when I was a kid. I know I did. Um, you just cut yourselves and then put the wounds on each other, and like there's supposed to be some mystical connection between them. For dragons, it actually works. For young boys like I was, it doesn't do shit. <laughs> so, um, ultimately, Taros will teach Cassanth ancient magic, which helps her a great deal, and she promises that she's going to try to reinvigorate him and get his lust to be a dragon back. He doesn't even want that. So they spend a lot of time together, and when Taros learns of the Manus, this globe that the Nifids gave to Cassanth, he wants to test its capabilities. Well, ultimately, what it does is draw them into the elemental plane of lightning, where Manus reveals that it's actually a sentient elemental, and the Nephids were slaves who escaped the elemental plane and were basically trapping and enslaving Manus. So it offers to send them home, but it gets distracted by an old nemesis named Fraz. Yeah. So, <laughs> as Manus leaves after Fraz... Taros and Cassanth try to find some way out on their own, and they can't really understand how to navigate in this elemental plane of lightning. They're discovered by Fraz, who has just slain Manus, and demands that they find a, fight a storm giant in order to win their freedom. But they have to be in the form of a snake. So the storm giant ends up being just an illusion created just to mess with them, and Tachesis demands that Fraz return them to, the, uh, to Kryn, this is an entirely pointless story arc, and I have no idea why they included it. No one learns anything new or grows as a result of it, and it's a complete waste of a read, as it's nonsensical from the start. 
So they returned to Terrace's old lair, which Talon stole from him, and Talon and a young black dragon emerge and fight them both. Cassanth eventually kills Talon, and Taros kills the young black dragon, but it mortally wounds him in return, and Cassanth is furious that Taros didn't help her fight earlier on, and then Mercy kills him. Then we pass another hundred years, or, or I mean, I'm sorry, two years or more, and we're given a crazy long chapter about the night that Onyx had burned. He was supposed to set up a keep to earn his knightess the sword rank, but the bakery caught fire, and then they had to fight and put out the fire, and they lost a big tower, and it's another entirely, completely pointless chapter that is really long, and there's no reason at all to have it in here. But they do. Now look, I picked up this book because I wanted to read about Cassanth, not some rando Knight of Salamnia. I have other books about Knights of Salamnia if I want to read about them. So I know how Cassanth ends up, so fill in the freaking gaps already. So then we get Cassanth flying up to the Black Dragon High Lord at the, the Black Dragon Wing at the Citadel, and he is widely, wildly impressed by her. But after Led and Taros, Cassanth doesn't want to take any riders, which limits her usefulness to the wing. The Dragon High Lord Maldive insists on his Mount Jahet, convincing Cassanth to take a rider, but she even refuses her newly blood mingled friend. I do really like the back and forth between Maldive, Jahet, and Cassanth. It's nice to see how Cassanth has grown incredibly powerful by learning from the nymphs. Um, I'm sorry, the nymphs, not the nymphs. That's a typo. Taros, and even Led to some degree. But she's, and she ends up being better than even Jahet, but the High Lord can't promote her or show any favor toward her unless she takes a rider. She's given an ultimatum, and with the final third of the novel left, I cannot wait to see how it all comes together. What can I say? I both loved and hated the ending. Well, perhaps hate is a bit of a strong word. I was less than thrilled. It was an incredibly rushed story, and it didn't need to be if we just skipped over the less interesting points earlier in the novel. The Knights of Salemnia, led by Sir Tate, the knight that Onyx scarred and punched her in the face, made a pact with the traitorous Black Dragon, led by the Black Dragon Wing's second-in-command, Cole. They offered the Black Wing's tower in return for Swampland and Salamnia. The knight couldn't resist the opportunity and agreed to the deal. The author does her best to make the Knights of Salamnia interesting, but as they are only stuffed into a tiny portion of this novel, they end up feeling wildly pointless. The knights attack the Blackwing's tower, and the three traitorous black dragons refuse to fight, and Cassanth and Jahet have been trapped in their lairs by those same dragons. As the Blackwing begins losing the battle, Cassanth transforms into Beulet, digs their way out of the cave, and Jahet goes to retrieve Maldev and kill the two traitorous dragons, while Cassanth transfers, transforms over into Onyx and tricks the traitorous dragons that she is from the Knights of Salamnia, and two of them flee, ultimately to be killed by the High Lord and Jahet. Cole, however, sees right through her deception, and the two fight, with Cassanth eventually killing him. Now, I do have to say, before I get into this any further, Mary Kirchhoff is great at describing these battles. I mean, really, really good. So, I don't mind her spending the extra time to build up these Knights of Salamnia characters, as long as they're somehow paid off. But unfortunately, they're just not paid off. And so we get these really great scenes of battle, but you don't have any emotional attachment to them. You already know how it ends because it's about a character that we find out later on at the you know first book of uh, Dragons of uh, Autumn Twilight. So anyway, 
Cast, oh gosh, what is her name? Cassanth then goes on a frenzy, killing knights. Finally, Sir Tate confronts her, and they exchange blows before inexplicably Cassanth leaves. I reread the section where she just walks away from him after she's ready to kill him. There's literally no reason, and so they must be setting up some sort of like ultimate big showdown, which, spoiler alert, doesn't really take place. So the knights are routed, and after the battle, Cassanth screams at the High Lord about how the Dark Queen will never win this war if everyone is fighting for their own pieces of the pie rather than unifying behind the Dark Queen's goals. For this obviously clearly understandable tirade, Cassanth is actually drawn into the abyss by the Dark Queen and threatened. Apparently, Tachesis knew about the traitorous dragons, wanted the traitorous dragons to defect, and then she would then convince them to return rather than being killed. This is an odd moment that makes zero sense to me, but explains why the queen lost, because she sucks at tactics. So Cassanth is sent back and tells the High Lord that she will ultimately take him out. Months go by, Draconians finally arrive as reinforcements from Naraka, then the Blackwing attacks the Salamnic's castle. They devastate the knights, but the knights have griffins at this point, which, how do they get griffins? I don't know, only a handful of elves even had them. But okay, so <laughs> as one of the new black dragons ends up getting killed, Maldive, riding Jahet, and Cassanth go after Sir Tate, also on a griffin. Maldive intentionally kills Jahet in order to trick Cassanth into becoming his mount, and Cassanth has an unsatisfying fight with Tate, ultimately killing him. She does have this really great moment of fleeting sadness over having killed Tate because she's comparing him against Maldive, and Tate is an infinitely more interesting person than Maldive will ever be, even though he's a dragon high lord. And she sort of is sad that um, Tate wasn't evil because she would like to have him as her rider. So she discovers that Maldives was treacherous and ended up killing her blood-mated Jahet. And Salah Khan, the new second-in-command, is feeding both the High Lord and Cassanth mutual discord between the two of them until finally Cassanth murders him. This whole thing happens in like three paragraphs. Not enough time. You spend chapters, like 20-page chapters, describing how a freaking bakery burns down in this Night of Salamnia's stupid kitchen, and you skip over, like, the most important point of this whole novel, how Cassanth gets kicked out into the Zaxaroth, makes zero sense. It's a total waste of potentiality. Ah, So... She's taken to the abyss again, dressed down by the Queen of Darkness, and given a second chance, but she won't get a third. And then she's sent off to Zaxaroth. The novel ends with her attacking Riverwind and the elf he was with after they stole the Blue Crystal Staff from Zaxaroth at the end of the events of Riverwind the Plainsman, the novel. That was a nice tie-in, to be true, but at the end, uh, after Cassandra's revenge was wrapped up too quickly, I learned to love and respect Cassanth in a whole new way, and it kind of makes me equally frustrated that the heroes of the Lance kill her. If the Dark Queen would have let Cassanth lead, possibly with Erican, I believe, or Ericus, yeah, Ericus, uh, I believe they would have like had a better chance at winning that war. But instead, the Dark Queen's like, yeah, I knew they were treacherous, and that's what I wanted, because they have to learn from me, not from you. 
freaking retarded. So storytelling wise, this had a lot of faults, but I did really enjoy it. It was great learning about dragon specific traits like the blood mingle and hearing about Keptu, the ritual dragon suicide. Even the dragons themselves fought and argued with each other like the mortals of the dragon armies. Ultimately, I would definitely recommend this novel even with too much time spent on writing about pointless aspects of the story. Then fast tracking the reality, uh, the really interesting bits, I should say. All right, so what do you say? Once you go, I can't even read that, dude. Hey, Albert Witch, thanks for tuning in. Once you go <laughs> cloaka, you never go back a safe and told. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's like Bloody Mary. Uh, no, but the other childhood necromantic, right. Okay. Fluff chapter, definitely was a fluff chapter. Uh, the commercial in the middle of a live YouTube. What? Oh, you got a commercial. <laughs> I didn't think this was going that long. It shouldn't have been. Uh, those are set to be almost like half an hour, not 15 minutes. Uh, since when does the Dark Queen ever make sense? Let's still crin. Okay. You're right. You're right. I mean, the Dark Queen consistently makes bad choices, which really makes me wonder how she can be an omnipotent god <laughs> when she is so bad at being bad. Like, like really bad at it. I don't know. Like, if I was a bad guy... I would not look to the Dark Queen as an example of someone to worship. She fails at everything. Like, there's supposed to be a balance in Dragonlance, right? So she should be winning sometimes, but she never wins. She just gets her took us kicked. Are you great? You thought Mary made the flow easy, the book went quick. Yeah, I think so. Uh, since when does it, okay, let's see exactly. First book with a dragon having a POV. Yeah, so for that aspect alone, I really did appreciate this book. And I did have fun reading it. I really learned to love Cassanth. And especially after we, you know, we only got like, I don't know, like a chapter and a half of her in Dragon's on Twilight. And so she seemed like a throwaway bad guy. You know, how could a brand new adventuring group, even though they weren't really brand new, go into a dungeon and defeat a dragon? But especially after all the buildup of who she was. But then when you think about it, you're like, oh, well, it is a divine artifact blessed by Mishakal herself. And so it wasn't the heroes that killed her. It was Mishakal through the Blue Crystal Staff that killed her. And that actually helps it sit on your palate a little bit better. But Cassanth as a dragon is great. Her story is great. You're just learning how she's becoming a better and better and better badass dragon only to be screwed in the end. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Because seriously, the, I think the dragon armies would have won if they would have listened to her and gotten rid of everyone who the Dark Queen clearly knew was scheming behind her back. Ah! God, it just kills me. And if Cassanth would have just killed Raceland when she had the opportunity to kill him, they definitely would have won the war because it was Raceland that allowed them to win the war. Without him, they all lose. So... It was really her that let them win. <laughs> you thought in Autumn Twilight, they make her very close to Smog. I don't know, because Smog felt like he was, like, feared, you know? We had known that Smog, like, wiped out tons of people in this town and completely cleared out these massive dungeons and stuff. All Cassandra did that we knew of was guard a staff. <laughs> like, that was all we knew she did. So I wouldn't put those two on the same plane at all. But this book definitely made her feel more like Smog after having read it. 
So now when I go back for a reread of Autumn Twilight or for an actual playthrough of the module, which is my next plan, then uh, I think I'm going to play her a little bit differently. I'm going to play her much more intelligent and mean than I would have otherwise played her because I didn't have this backstory to her. I didn't understand how she thought and how she used tactics and, and stuff. Now I do. So look out, players. <laughs> it's going to get bad. Oh, man. Yeah, for real, <laughs> fair warning. All right, well, that is going to do it for my review of The Black Wing by Mary L. Kirchhoff. What did you guys think of Cassanth? Did you uh, think she gets the death that she deserves? And finally, would you run her as a monster differently, like I just mentioned, after having read this novel? You can email me at info at or leave a comment below. I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, click the bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click that like button. It all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. This channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance Saga, so thank you for joining that celebration. So, for Dragonlance Saga, my name is Adam, and until next time, Slanjavar.